Hey everybody, it's Dana here, author of Release Your Inner Wild, the modern day women's guide to reconnecting with your true self, honoring your health, passion, and power. You know, I'd always wanted to be a guest on a podcast and then thought, well, what am I waiting for? Why don't I just create my own? So I'm going to be sharing some life stories and experiences as well as speaking to some other women about theirs and about what makes us healthy, strong, grounded, wild women. So if you're on that path of self-discovery, or even if you're not quite sure if you're on that path yet, I invite you to listen in because I can promise there will be something beautiful and valuable for you to take away. At least that is my most heartfelt and deepest desire for you. So thank you in advance for listening, and I look forward to sharing many beautiful stories. Alana! Hello, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Fun. Okay. Yay. So uh, first things first, I'm just going to tell people <laughs> listening how I know you. This is exciting. I, I'm so excited that you agreed to do this. Um, uh-huh. Since we even shared it on social media yesterday or the day before, there's like been a hundred plus people who are like, <laughs> I want to learn about this. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I want people to know that um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited not only to talk to Alana because she's like a, an expert in this field, but she's also one of my oldest and best friends from Winnipeg. And so I feel like this is such a beautiful blessing to be able to actually have this conversation with you. Um, mm. And in a way that's like very approachable, simple, like you're going to simplify things. It's going to be fun and easy and people can listen without feeling like nervous or ashamed or embarrassed because you're going to just normalize so many things for us. That's what I do. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So, and, um, and then before we get into questions, I'm just going to read a little bit about your bio so that people uh, know your expertise. Um, Alana obtained her Bachelor of Medical Rehabilitation and Physiotherapy from University of Manitoba. Um, it's so funny. I'm reading this in third person, but I'm talking to you. So, um, after graduating, Alana became, uh, began your, you began your career in orthopedics and especially, mm-hmm. uh, specifically working closely with orthopedic surgeons. Shortly after moving to Calgary, you attained your certification to practice anatomical acupuncture through the Acupuncture Foundation of Canada, um, and then started to specialize or pursue your specialization of uh, women's health, which is also, which has become your greatest passion, I'd say, especially after our conversation talking to, it's like, you are so genuinely passionate about spreading the message of women's health. Um, Alana is engaged in advanced training throughout Canada and the U.S., um, and you are certified to treat pelvic health disorders ranging mm-hmm. from fecal and urinary incontinence, painful intercourse, pre and postnatal education and treatment, prolapse and other types of pelvic pain. So this is all part of your, your expertise. And I also want to say you work uh, in close alliance with urogynecological surgeons you um, bet. and has a ton of experience in pre and post operative treatment for gynecological gynecological and surgical interventions oh big my words. god big words I know I did pretty good because I actually didn't read that in advance um like I didn't read all the words um you presented so to numerous groups of physicians chiropractors personal trainers and mothers um yeah. and you like like I said your passion is sharing education um and on this topic so is there anything else you would add to this bio this very comprehensive bio oh my god no okay. <laughs> no. no you know what it's like I just I'm very lucky. I love what I do. I've got a great career and it's something that's really needed. So cool. I mean, that is kind of my bio. <laughs> yeah. And she's hilarious. 
that's part yeah. of it. Okay. So <laughs> um, let's start by saying and reminding in case I forget um, and we get too carried away that we did have a question. We had a question come in or we had a question. Someone called in with a question. Um, <laughs> so I want to make sure I answer that at some point, but you, you, your answers may very well address her question. Um, okay. So first talk to us about just like what for people who don't even know what is the pelvic floor talk to us about what is the pelvic floor and what is its primary function or role in the body okay well you know when we talk about pelvic floor it's kind of interesting because a lot of people think it's just a muscle which it is a muscle but it's actually a group of muscles. So it's a group of muscles that have a lot of really important functions that a lot of women take for granted. And we're really also just not aware of just in terms of um, women's health and pelvic floor or pelvic health. It's usually really quite a taboo topic that carries with it a lot of stigmas. So it takes a lot of bravery for women to come and even speak to doctors or healthcare practitioners about when they're having problems for sure. But um, it's good because it's a hot topic. So now a lot of people are talking about pelvic floors and it's gaining a lot of attention, which I love because anything women's health and empowerment for women, I love. So really what your pelvic floor is, is it is this group of muscles and it has a really a lot of important functions. So one is it's, which we will get into more detail of every one of these functions, but it's a very, very important part of your core So whenever people talk about core generally and fitness, you're doing core and ab classes, most of what they're talking about is abs. And the problem is if you're only training your abs in order to gain a better core strength or function, that's my big joke is I say always you're missing the forest through the trees. Like you are missing the whole function. Really what your core is, is your core is really a pressure containment system and we'll go back to talking about like the pressure later because that's really important in terms of pelvic health in general that women just take for granted so one is number one part of your core system number two is it definitely is intricately intricately involved as most people are aware of with urinary function so it maintains continence like can you control um, urine when you want to And then third one is bowel function. It's also very important in making sure that you can go number two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the fourth one is sexual function. I mean, if you have problems with your pelvic floor, a lot of people, men and women, by the way, this is pelvic floor does not just belong to women alone. Men have pelvic floors and it can produce a lot of sexual dysfunction. So those are kind of the big four topics the kind of big four things that your pelvic floor does okay as well known for. and then can you tell us what when you say it's a group of muscles can you tell yeah. us what what muscles oh my god okay With well a, there's yeah. like i like I'm, then i'm gonna get super technical so i always tell people instead of like naming all the muscles yeah it really is kind of like a group of muscles that extends from your pubic bone so that bone in the very front kind of of your pelvis mm-hmm. that kind of sticks out into your jeans sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right up below your zipper and then it goes all the way into your tailbone and your tailbone kind of resides at the very top of your bum crack <laughs> so it's it's almost like we describe it as a hammock shape of muscles but I hate that term because it's a muscle that really like fluctuates depending on what you're demanding of it again it's, it's a really important part of your core so you have different core functions that you need to meet the demands of that are differently all through your day, depending on what you're doing. So really it kind of lives between your tailbone and your pubic bone. And just because, you know, you're a yoga person, I always, my, one of my favorite 
ways to get people to feel their pelvic floor actually is when they're in like that um, child's pose position mm-hmm. because like, or, or that deep squat. So depending on what the problem is, I'm seeing like a deep squat is wonderful because that's the way you can actually physically take those two points apart from each other. Like your pubic bone moves away from your tailbone. So that's really like a lengthening of your pelvic floor. And sometimes it's a really, really good way to feel it. The only thing is if you're having problems, I don't love people to have all that pressure down. Mm -hmm. So if you dump yourself forward, you're essentially in a child's pose, which you're still maintaining that same pelvic position. So, okay. So cool. Thank you. So, um, so, okay. Those the primary functions and then the muscles and then, Mm -hmm. so from that, do you want to then move into, um, like you talked about the container and the pressure, that part of the system is that what would naturally come next as as the description. Okay. I should tell you the weird thing about these muscles are, since we're talking about where they are, it's not just a muscle, like this group of muscles. The whole issue with it is you have to naturally have three lovely holes that go through this group of muscles, especially if you're a woman. If you're Mm -hmm. a man, you have two. (laughs) But, and it's funny because men tend to have problems, but in a different way than women. I mean, the two holes that we share going through those group of muscles with men we have sphincters around those muscles. So you have a urinary sphincter, so do men, and we have an anal sphincter, so do men, but there's no such thing as a vaginal sphincter. <laughs> so mm-hmm. your, your vaginal orifice, what we call, is really, that is only dependent on connective tissue and muscle. And the problem really is, is that when you think about it, generally the way we are learned to deal with things, we actually rehab sprained ankles way better than we rehab our pelvic floor or our vaginal area of connective tissue and muscle so kind of that's it's also an interesting like when you're talking about what it is or what kind of muscles go through it I mean Mm -hmm. that's the big thing there's a whole bunch of I mean the most common word people use for their pelvic floor muscles is their puborectalis because Mm -hmm. it kind of or levator ani those are kind of muscles people will but then I can go on about all this technical stuff that really doesn't matter because it kind of there's a whole bunch of group of muscles that do different things So, but yeah, absolutely. One of the things in knowing kind of that you've got this group of muscles that extend from your pubic bone into your tailbone is to understand kind of where it exists in terms of its function. So again, one of those big things I was talking about was core function and it's that core pressure management system. So I kind of just get people to imagine something super simple that everybody can kind of relate to, which is a Coke can or a pop can, if I don't want to use Coke, whatever. (laughs) So it's almost like the bottom of your pop can are those muscles. And the top of your pop can is your, are your diaphragm, your big breathing muscles at the top that are kind of like this umbrella, or sometimes again, we call it dome shape. And I don't like to talk about shapes because they change. So it's like this dome shaped muscle at the top. Um, So that's your diaphragms. And the thing about your diaphragm and your pelvic floor are they are literally like two dancing partners. They are constantly working in synchronicity. So although somebody doesn't think of breathing being associated with their their pelvic floor, it's extremely associated again, which is why yoga fits so beautifully into some pelvic floor rehab. Because again, yoga, if you've lost your breath in yoga, you've almost lost the essence of yoga. So it's, it's very interconnected. So you've got the bottom is your, of your Coke can again is your, pelvic floor top is your diaphragm and then you've got this lovely coke or soda inside it and it's really really easy to equate that to your pelvic and abdominal organs because our pelvic and abdominal organs I mean our guts are mostly fluid 
And the thing is, is if you, the thing about fluid is you can't compress it. There's no way to squish fluid and make it smaller. You can't take uh, a water balloon and squeeze it and it makes it smaller. Instead, it just kind of pops out of different orifices. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially exactly what happens. It's almost like pressure is always seeking the easiest way out. That's the basic, basic rule of physics is that things are always seeking like the easiest pathway. And so that's essentially what's happening with all of your pelvic abdominal organs. And so the main thing that your core does is not about crunches and it's not about planking for half an hour at a time, or it's not about all these bicycles. It really is just this pressure containment unit. Are you able to contain your soda? Because without the right pressure, you can't cough and sneeze and poop and like forget the sit-ups and crunches. Like those are more your external movement. I mean, we're not a robotic Coke can that moves around. So you need those movement muscles, but it's really important to kind of contain that pressure. So, so that, so that would explain why, um, when you talk about like it it needs a way out. So actually we weren't getting into into this until later, but it's kind of a a natural introduction. And because you're talking about yoga, this explains why people are like, I, especially men say this actually not women, but they're like, I don't want to go to yoga because I'm afraid I'm going to fart. Right. Like there's, oh. people are terrified of gas passing in a yoga class or in any. But when you talk about this pressure needing to escape, it's like right. that's why it comes out of these orifices unplanned because like something isn't quite yeah. in alignment. Right. Right. And so sometimes it's like our, you know, the biggest thing I'll tell people is, you know, because it's so integrated breathing in your pelvic floor function is like are you holding your breath? If you can't get through it, don't do it. Like that's mm-hmm. basically my little thing that I say. I always joke around that one day I tell all my patients, one day, I swear to you, you will see a billboard sign somewhere yep. up <laughs> with like basic, I want basic functions that all women should know. Cause again, that's the whole problem with all this women's health stuff is we have no venue to learn about this stuff. We learn about whatever we learn about in, you know, junior high or like high school anatomy, which is really basic. And it's kind of more about sex education than anything and how to not get pregnant. (laughs) And then, and then that's it. Then you're good. You're good to go. I mean, so most women I talk about, and this is women who even had surgeries or are considering surgery. They don't know, is your bladder in front of, below, on top of your uterus? Like, and we just, it's not that they're dumb. We just, Mm -hmm. we have no venue to learn about our body whatsoever. So it just has to do with you know, exactly like if somebody is kind of passing gas, are they holding their breath? Because holding your breath or doing it's called a Valsalva maneuver is the big medical term for it really mm-hmm. is not doing anything. I mean, essentially, as soon as you hold your breath, you're stopping the movement of the top of that Coke can. So where do you expect your Coke to go? Mm-hmm. It's again, things are going to follow the path of least resistance. So sure. in men like rectal area. In Mm -hmm. women, for sure, if you've had any vaginal deliveries, it's going to be vaginal area. Do you have a hernia? Like, do you have a hernia in your abdominal wall? Do you have separation of your abdominal muscles? Like, it's horrible. So it's, and that stuff is always seeking the way, it's it's way out. I mean, do you have disc herniations? Like, everything is so integrated in this whole core pelvic, it's lumbo-pelvic area that it all has to kind of go together. So, I mean, if you're not containing your pressure, then you can have a disc herniation. You can also get any other kind of hernia. And the special hernia women usually have is called pelvic organ prolapse. So a lot of women will be like, oh my God, I have prolapse, which to be honest, most women in their 20s, 30s, and maybe even into their 40s don't even know what that is, which is a real shame when kind of 60% of people probably have some degree of prolapse. 
And prolapse just means you've had an organ that has descended into a spot it's not supposed to be anymore. Just like a hernia. A hernia is like where a loop of your bowel has gone into a spot it's not supposed to be anymore because pressure has pushed it out of your abdominal wall. Where for women, again, like the weakness is generally in our, in our pelvis or in our, that whole, like it's called your urogenital hiatus, which is just generally like the whole your vagina comes through to make it <laughs> simple. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like your bladder can come down or your uterus could come down, could come down. A loop of bowels can come down. A loop of intestines could come down. I mean, so with that, is that explaining then why, or is this going to lead? Right. Is this going to, like, it can explain why, um, yeah, people like have lost uh, um, control, not, not really lost control of their, their, well, sometimes like, they're not like necessarily peeing in their pants right. completely, but it's like, there's some like, yeah, you sneeze, mm-hmm. you move a certain way, you go to lift. Exactly. Something, so it's right? like the typical so, thing. That's exactly. So if people sneeze and they can't control their pressure, one of the ways that your pressure system is failing is you may lose urine or you may lose gas right. or you may feel pressure in your pelvis because your uterus is coming down. Right. So, and actually one of the questions that had come in, it said, this person had said, I'm gathering that, and this is someone who has um, um, a background in midwifery, and she herself has referred to herself as as someone who has an aging body, okay, Um, and says, I'm gathering that the pelvic floor exercises are not the ticket for most women, but that the proper pelvic alignment is. I'd love to hear your friend's um, take. I've noticed that bladder and pelvic issues, which don't always seem to go mm-hmm. together, are exacerbated by fatigue and by cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so which is also interesting is that she is saying that pelvic floor issues and bladder issues don't always seem to go together, but you're actually d- dispelling right. that very thing by explaining that they are in fact completely integrated. Right. So exactly. They're, they're extremely integrated. So generally, I mean, she's kind of talking about two different things. So one People think that when you cough or laugh or sneeze and you leak, that's a bladder problem. But that's, in fact, not a bladder problem. That's almost what she was talking about in terms of the integration of the alignment. Is your diaphragm stacked on top of your pelvic floor? Is that whole pressure system being utilized in um, its most biomechanically efficient way? I mean, we that's a lot of what we see is especially after women have babies or if they've been doing a lot of abs or something like when women have babies like they'll it's almost like you have this big balloon and I mean she might be like decades past babies but when women have babies they have this big balloon and then all of a sudden the balloon pops and the thing about being pregnant is it's a lot of pressure but it also provides you with a lot of spinal stability at the same time because you've got this like Mm. thing in front of your spine and then all of a sudden you lose this baby and it's almost like you pac-man I call it like it's almost like you open up that whole front of your body and a lot of them present with this like rib chest thrust which actually is leading to a lot of that diastasis people are calling it or that that prolonged separation in your abdominal wall because they don't have the proper alignment but the other thing that happens mm-hmm. when you're pac-manning is if that's your 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 diaphragm and your pelvic floor are almost like the, the cocan has to piston up and down which we haven't even talked about breathing yet but like it's almost this whole thing has to piston down really efficiently to work so the coughing laughing sneezing that's kind of hmm, something's happening in their pressure system. They're not controlling their pressure the right way. But the other thing she's talking about in terms of, oh, sometimes like I will, you know, everybody's experienced this. You've waited a bit too long to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden you stick your key in the door because you're coming in the door from Safeway or wherever. <laughs> and oops, sorry about those eggs. They're dropping on the floor because I got to gun it to the bathroom. So there's a there's an okay time for that to happen. Like if you're legitimately, it's been 
you know, a few hours and you really have to pee and your bladder's full, well, then that's okay for your bladder to tell you it's time to take me to the bathroom lady. But if that's happening every mm-hmm. half an hour or you just peed when you left Safeway and now you had a 20 minute drive home and your key is in the door or, or you hit the cold weather. So those are both called triggers. That's actually a bladder mm-hmm. dysfunction. And your bladder, again, like your bladder is actually a muscle. Your bladder is not this balloon that just empties and fills. Your bladder is a muscle. And because it's a muscle, it can be trained in really good and bad ways. But really, it's kind of, which we'll, we can get to that when we talk about the whole bladder stuff. But it's, it, it, so those are two different things. But if you have stress urinary incontinence, stress urinary incontinence is when you're coughing, laughing, sneezing, you're adding stress to your system and it's failing. Usually, if it's because of weak, that will lead to what's called urge urinary incontinence, which is overwhelming urge that I have to pee and I don't think I'm going to make it to the bathroom. That's like you hit the cold. Okay. The door. So, yeah. Um, now, okay, one sec, because it just the last. Okay. Two Uh, words you said cut out um, for some reason. So um, you said, just can you repeat the last sentence that you said? Yeah. It's just almost like, so when you have urge urinary incontinence, that's kind of a bladder dysfunction where it's like, you might, you might go outside and hit the cold or your key is in the door and you're like, I need to pee and I need to pee now. And I'm not going to make it to get to the bathroom. So, so that's more of a bladder issue. The other thing is, if you go back to the whole like Coke can, I always tell people like there's really a few things that people do wrong. Like, and this is where women, we should all be learning this in elementary school, not once the fit has hit the shand, so to speak, and then yeah. we're having problems. So, okay, one, wait, can we, yeah. can you wait, yeah. hold that thought for yeah. one second? Yeah. So, when you talk about the bladder being a muscle that we can train, yeah. and you and I talked about this the yeah. other day, um, so the good, the good news is this is like, even if we've gotten to the point where like you, you use the example, yeah. um, tell, tell your kids, like, does anybody have to pee? We're going to the store. You know, you're only going right. to be at the store for half an hour, but we've trained our minds and our, right. maybe our kids to like always have to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. you get, then you get to them all 20 minutes later. Does anybody have to go? Okay. So if we're right. constantly training our bladder to go before right. it actually needs to go, then we're training the muscle right. to become smaller and lose its capacity. Right. Yeah. So, so it's like the go just in case, like stop with the right. go just in case. So normal. So if we're going to talk about what normal is of bladder capacity because again we have these values now especially now that women have entered healthcare like we really do care about these things so now we know out of millions of women who have been tested normal bladder frequency you should be going to the bathroom pee anywhere between two to four hours so anywhere that's a huge difference in window i mean people are allowed Mm -hmm. to have different bladder capacities i always tell people if you're the person who as a kid you went to the you know you went out for lunch with friends and you'd be the one going to the bathroom more often okay so you might be a two-hour person but you need Mm -hmm. to be within that two to four hour window and you don't always want to be going just in case like the by the time people see me they might be peeing every 20 minutes and they know where every bathroom is in every Mm -hmm. mall that they're like Mm -hmm. that's not normal like peeing should not dictate your life yeah so and the good news is is because if we can train it to be small we can train it we can build its capacity yeah absolutely there's tons of different tricks we use to like train it and get a you know get your your frequency up so you're you're peeing at normal capacities and and that's a whole other kind of thing but that's okay a ton of what we do (laughs) so then tell us then okay and let's so let's simplify let's just do a quick recap of even up until now so We're talking about the pelvic floor being a group of muscles, the primary yeah. functions around um, urinary function, um, bowel function, sexual function, and I've already forgotten the fourth one. Core. All okay, thank core you. Stability. Core stability. Core stability. Yeah. Okay, so those are the functions. We yeah. ta- and we're talking about the, that group of muscles and where they 
extend from and to right. pubic bone to the um, tailbone. Yeah. Okay. And then we're, and then talking about um, this, the pressure system. So that's, yeah. and its connection to the breath. So very right. good. And we're going to actually talk about that again in a moment, but right. tell us in like simply yeah. what is, what are some signs that someone might need to seek a professional? Like what is something that's normal? Right. What is something that's abnormal? So I usually, floor? right. It'd be in a perfect world, every single person who has a baby, it would be nice for them to kind of, or even every woman who's like perimenopausal, it would be lovely in a perfect world for everybody to get a check-in. Because really the thing of, with these muscles is honestly, you can't see them from the outside. There's no way for me looking at you, I can tell if you're, pelvic floor is really strong or perfectly normal or if it's actually really tight. So mm-hmm. I would say the majority of people who come to see me, they're, they're, their problem is actually, we call it like an overactivity or a hypertonicity or a tightness because everybody equates, especially in this area, which drives me nuts, tightness as being something that's desirable. But mm. you would never come to me and say, hey, Alana, can you give me some tight hamstrings or can you make my neck tight? Like tight is a mm-hmm. muscular dysfunction. So, and that is probably honestly why the vast majority of people present with weakness, not because they're truly weak. It's because they have no idea how to relax these muscles. So Mm. that's a lot of what we do is like regaining a full range of motion. I can't get you, if you only have half of the range of motion of your arm and you're going to carry your purse or bag around all day and you think that that's going to work really well without you getting tired and that muscle getting sore, like that's not going to work. You need to be able to let your arm go all the way straight and relax and then bend it up when you need to go over something. And that it's exactly very, very similar again to your core function. It has to, it, it depends on what you're calling on it to do at that time. So one is, but how does someone yeah. know if when you we're, right. we're talking about what's, what's normal and abnormal, exactly. and if someone doesn't know if, if, if exactly. it's tight, how do they tell, how so, do they know? So that's why it's good for people to kind of get checked in an ideal world. But really what mm. you can know before you get to these signs is kind of the, the signs would be one is like, I always call it, you know, the four P's. It's like, I just dumb it down for people. And I'm like, remember the four P's. So one is pain. Are you having any pain? I don't care what anybody tells you or any, you know, like person from like, that is, you know, in an old school, it is not normal to have pain with sex. It may be common, but that is not a sign that your your body is functioning well. Something is up and there is a ton, a ton of help for that. So okay. that's probably what I see a lot. So pain with sex, any kind of pelvic pain, you shouldn't be having pubic pain. You shouldn't be having SI joint pain. Like pain is kind of like a little indicator that maybe something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Pressure okay. is my second P. So if you are, you know taking your dog for a walk or going on a hike, or you have to help somebody, you know, carry a bag of groceries into the house, or you're lifting a kid all day long, you shouldn't feel like you have something bulging out of your vaginal opening or bulging out of your rectum. Like you shouldn't feel like you have this water balloon or some pressure coming down or almost like a tampon isn't inserted correctly. That's not great either. So pressure is one thing. That's the second one. P is the third one. So it's really important that you should be able to decide when it's appropriate to pee. And also when, so when you don't want to pee, you shouldn't be peeing. And mm-hmm. same thing is when it's time to pee, you should also be able to sit down in a to- on a toilet and pee. Like, so some people literally have to sit down in a toilet and wait for their pelvic floor muscles to relax mm. because then that's what signals your bladder to start. And that's called hesitation. Like there's this hesitation where like they're running water because they just can't start the flow of urine, even though they can feel that they're 
their bladder is really full. So that's Mm. third P. Fourth P is poop. (laughs) So same token, like you should be able to have a bowel movement when you want to. And by the same, or at, but at the same time, you know, you should be able to control gas and control bowel movements, but you also should be having bowel movements regularly. That might also, people, constipation is often a function of the fact that people's pelvic floor is too tight. I almost say it's like, you've got a cork on a bottle. Like it's great that the bottle's full, but you got to release the cork to be able to let the stuff out of the bottle. And again, Mm -hmm. that's where people have the problem. It's the, they can't relax sometimes their pelvic floor. And then in terms of just because we were talking about what's normal and abnormal in terms of bowel movements, that's another fallacy. Everybody thinks that you need to have a bowel movement every day. And that's the ideal, perfect, you know, healthy thing to do. And for many people that is totally normal and that's their ideal, but we don't worry about somebody who has a bowel movement. This entire spectrum is normal. So anywhere from three times a day to three times a week, if you are somewhere in between that, you are perfectly fine and healthy. And that is fine for you because it depends on have you been sweating? Is it hot outside? Have you been, you know, drinking alcohol? What kind of fluid rich foods have you been eating? So there's a whole bunch of different things that play into that. So it's the frequency of your bowel movements, but also it's what's coming down the pipes to be quite quite Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. Because I always tell people you can be having three little meatballs a day to poop but that's still constipation. You really want, it's, it's called the Bristol stool scale. They even have this all medicalized out for people. You really mm-hmm. want to have a nice, like soft formed. I always tell people banana looking poop mm-hmm. <laughs> to make. So if I can, I can wreck more food groups for people if they want, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, and I think it's really important for people to like be comfortable yeah. looking in the toilet after, like, I'm not saying like stick your face all right up oh, in there, God. but like, no. like, look, like take it, like, even if it's not every single time, but the body's so intelligent too, right? Like when you do have the kind of bowel movement that you're like, hmm, that kind of hurt, or it's been right. two days, like take a look, like be curious about not only what is actually in the toilet, but what, what was your experience when you were going to the bathroom? And if it's recurringly like difficult or something, like paying attention to that and not necessarily just chalking that up as, oh, well, that's the way I always am, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so, um, Okay, so pressure. Um, sorry, pain, pressure, pee, poop. Yeah, are these four Look, P's? Okay, A+. I know I'm doing pretty good. Jeez, math is um, that easy for you? <laughs> for people listening, I failed math the entire time from grade seven to grade eleven. Then I opted out of normal grade twelve math because I couldn't take it and I didn't want to go to summer school. Okay, well, just to go down memory lane there for a second. Like we're talking zero out of thirty on some tests, like full on failure. Okay. And then one time I got 27 and a half out of 30 and the whole class stood up and cheered. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Okay. Um, so, okay. So those are some things to, for people to consider to like, okay, this is happening enough. And even right. if it's not a, like a lot, but now someone's listening to these four, these four P's and they're like, okay, maybe I'm going to go and get checked. But here's a question. Right. When you say some people go to the bathroom and they can't quite go and it's a right. sign of the pelvic floor muscles being incredibly tight. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, can, like what really contributes to the tightness though? Like, oh is it God, like yeah. that the person him or herself is like, you know, very anxious or stressed or is it external factors or well, is it all I, internal? Is it half and half? It can be and half, it can what be, can someone do you know. to like manage that stress, that tightness? Yeah. So it can totally, it can be, first of all, have you experienced any trauma? Like, is there, I mean, mm-hmm. have you just had, 
do you have a back injury? We know if people have back pain, they have a very high rate of having pelvic floor dysfunction. Because again, this whole pelvic, lumbo-pelvic area is so integrated. It really makes my life harder. Like, I wish I could just mm. be like this, like, vagina expert. Nothing else had to go into it. But it's really all integrated. So low back pain can t- contribute. If you've had abdominal surgeries, that can contribute. If you've had, when I say trauma, like surgical trauma, have you had sexual trauma or have ever been assaulted? Are you just generally stressed? Like, I guarantee you when you got zero out of 30 on that math test, your pelvic floor was like nice and tight. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time just to equate it. It's almost like something really, really innate in us. If you think about a dog, when a dog is stressed and unhappy, their tail goes down. And so our tail is our old tailbone. And I just told you Mm -hmm. that your pelvic floor muscles attach right into that tailbone. So it's almost like when you're stressed, your tailbone comes in to tuck in up between your bum cheeks and your t- pelvic floor gets tight. And so mm-hmm. people, we know, like if I'm treating people and they're coming in for pain, if they're having a super stressed out time, which is really fun to have people coming in during COVID mm-hmm. right now, um, th- that's not probably the greatest time for them to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can definitely still help them, but we definitely have to like calm everything down. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. So, and then, yeah, so it's inside and outside. But if you think about a happy dog, a happy dog has their tail up. That whole thing is free. Their pelvic floor is elongated. Their butt mm-hmm. cheeks are relaxed. So one thing I always tell people just to check, when you're standing in line at a store, are you what's called a butt gripper? Like a lot of people mm-hmm. will have this like really tight, hard bum stick, you know, and especially like a lot of people are dancers and they've grown up thinking, oh, I want to live with my legs in this external rotation and my bum should be on because everybody tells me to tighten my bum. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is you're glute muscles especially your glute max muscles and your pelvic floor are really like very very close siblings so if your glute muscles are perpetually tight you better bet you're going to have a tight pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. then a tight pelvic floor again a tight pelvic floor a tight muscle is a weak muscle it's impossible to have a tight muscle that also has full function and full strength Mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden these people present as weakness and you're like, well, actually, you're not weak at all. You're just not realizing your full effectiveness of that whole muscle, like that mm-hmm. full length of that muscle. So it doesn't look like it's strong, but it's actually just tight. So that's honestly a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Okay. Now then, so can, this may be hard to answer, yeah. but what about like, how do you know then? So here, those are the signs of maybe um, issues with your pelvic right. floor. Like we've talked about the peas and yeah. this, but wh- how do you know if you have like a like I know you said coming in for an exam is really kind of the right. only way to really know, but, but for someone walking around feeling like I feel pretty good, like, how do you know, yeah. what are the signs that you have like a really healthy, well-functioning, right. You would have pelvic. none of those problems. Like you can exercise. It's never a problem. No pain. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look, thank goodness. A lot of people out there have a really good pelvic floor because I can't deal with everybody coming through my door as mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> so mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have problems, but so, you know what, if you can exercise, it's your bowel and bladder function is not stopping you from anything you want to do. You pee when you Mm -hmm. want to, you poop when you want to, it does not dictate your life whatsoever. You're not having pain. You don't feel Mm -hmm. any of that. Like, like you don't even think about your pelvis. That's great. Mm -hmm. Like I had one patient I remember, and she said to me, she had a a prolapse. So she had, her bladder was kind of hanging down. And she said, you know, I was sitting in the restaurant the other day and I'm looking around thinking, I bet nobody else is thinking about their vagina right now. (laughs) And she was like, (laughs) you don't want to think about it. It shouldn't interrupt your life. Like this is just, you have it. It's all good. So, okay. That's a good answer. Yeah. Like it's, um, 
it's all good. Now, and mm-hmm. on, when you're talking, um, this is just one more question that came yeah. in about UTIs. So someone yeah. said um, they're interested in, in, this is a quote, in all things UTIs, chronic bladder pain syndrome, and all things supporting my bladder and UT health. So right. when you're just saying, um, as long as you don't have you know, any of those, like you can pee when you want, you can hold it when you have to, yeah. all that, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Great. So you're doing great. Now, what about, can you speak to urinary tract infection or is that like another, is that not quote related? It's related and unrelated. So UTIs, first of all, it's very, very common for people to get chronic UTIs. Like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So again, like, I mean, I can count on one hand how many UTIs I've had in my entire life. Like, but you get some people who are literally getting a UTI every second month. So a lot of it, there's so much to do about this, but I mean, so a lot of people get chronic UTIs, but especially women, which we haven't even talked about hormones, which is a whole other thing, especially perimenopausal women, or if they're getting into a hormonal flux, or if you're at low estrogen times in your life, like if people are breastfeeding, that is a very, very low estrogen time in your life. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I always call it the preview to menopause. Or if like, if you're um, in that perimenopausal or menopausal state, your estrogen is very low and it, it really, really affects the normal pH balance of mm-hmm. just your vaginal pH flora. And then of course, like your urethra and your bladder are right there too. So it has a lot of, so if people are having true bladder infections, you want to get a cultured verification that it's, you can't just do a little dipstick in your doctor's office. You want them to send it in for a culture mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that obviously your hormones aren't off. And then there's a whole host of other issues that go along with that, which are these bladder pain syndromes, where there's nothing really wrong with your bladder, but you get these bladder pain syndromes. And a lot of those people, again, because your pelvic floor and your bladder talk, they have to be part of this reflex, kind of to tell your bladder when to start going appropriately, your pelvic floor and your brain are the main things, those three organs have to talk to each other to say, okay, right now is the right time to go. And right now is the wrong time to go. So sometimes if people have pelvic floor dysfunction, that signal going to their bladder is really mixed up. And if Mm. they're having bladder pain, then their pelvic floor gets tight because their pelvic floor is trying to protect this whole area that's painful. And then that just predisposes somebody to a ton of problems. So, so bladder pain, I would say, absolutely. Like if somebody's having like chronic bladder pain issues, Mm-hmm. And and like or and they've gone and they actually don't have a urinary tract infection. And women, it's it's tough because you know what? Like I fe- find a lot of doctors start getting annoyed with it. They're like, oh, you're here for a UTI again. It's going to be negative. I don't know what to do for you. You don't have one. Mm-hmm. But they they are experiencing pain. They are experiencing a problem. No one has fun going to the doctor saying I have a UTI. Mm-hmm. So that definitely that person for sure. There's absolutely kind of pelvic floor overlap into that. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't mean cool. I mean, okay, yeah, good. Um, that's like, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm just looking at my notes here because, because they're so, it's such a complex, I mean, exactly. in some ways it's simple the way you're breaking it down, which is great. And at I the try. same time, the other time it's, it is complex. So I oh. want to make sure that that's why I went back to do the recap actually for mm-hmm. myself. And I know. And you're listening. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> um, so now can we next just shift into yeah. um, kind of for the, Two last things before we mm-hmm. even wrap this up, because because I want to keep it again. I want people to be able to walk away and be like, "Oh, I have an understanding now." Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't know, maybe we'll like have more questions. But um, what can someone? So tell me what you want to how what you want to address next. What makes most sense to talk about? What people can do today to like strengthen and work with maybe this this. Mm-hmm 
these group of muscles or do you want to talk about yoga actually that's kind of they're kind of they yeah. can be connected which one should we well, start with first you know what i'll go back to because it is connected because we haven't talked about it and it has to do with the whole yoga thing is if you think back to that core canister i was telling you about and then i was mm-hmm. t- saying that i want to make that street sign because i will make it one day <laughs> so because your your diaphragm and your pelvic floor are connected i kind of on my billboard sign to tell women like this is what you c- can do to prevent pelvic floor issues like this is the basic stuff i don't want to know how many surgeries i may be able to prevent if i just got everybody mm-hmm. to know this so one is when you think about how your pelvic floor again they're the dancing partners so when my diaphragm rises it goes when my diaphragm recoils to go into that dome shape effectively what it's doing is it's pushing the air out of my lungs so it's causing me to exhale so right. now the lid of my cocan has risen i've created more space inside my can and that's when my pelvic floor its dancing partner at the bottom also rises so mm-hmm. when i breathe in my di- my lungs fill up my diaphragm slowly goes down, it pushes all my pelvic and abdominal organs down, and my pelvic floor has to be this nice hammock at the bottom when I breathe in. So everything kind of that whole Coke can slowly pistons down, and you need that to happen freely to move down. That's why it's really Mm -hmm. important for people to have a full length of their muscle. As you exhale, your diaphragm recoils, goes into the dome shape, causes you to exhale, and then your pelvic floor at the bottom also rises. So that's why Mm -hmm. during an exhale, I don't want to call your pelvic floor a hammock anymore because now it goes into more of like a trampoline. So Mm -hmm. The big thing is I would tell people is I wish people would know when I see them working out, when they're at the gym, when they're doing yoga, when they're passing gas, this dude passing gas in the middle of like a yoga class is exhale with exertion. Like when you are about to do the hardest part of an effort or the hardest part of exercise, a lot of people kind of do it naturally. Well, they'll be like, oh, I want to hold my breath during the heart. Like I'm in a lunge and mm-hmm. I'm doing a squat and then all of a sudden, oh, I got to come up and I'm holding my breath as I'm pushing up. As soon as you hold your breath, again, that's anchoring that little that Coke can down and you're pushing everything down, looking for its path of least resistance. So mm-hmm. if I could tell everybody like exhale with exertion or exhale with exercise or exhale with effort, like E matches with E. Mm-hmm. Inhale matches mm-hmm. with nothing. So it's like, it's almost like inhale is a great place. You need to inhale. Obviously, I'm never going to take away the fact that your brain and your oxygen, your brain needs and your muscles need oxygen. But so mm-hmm. my billboard sign would see, say, in, exhale with effort. If you can't breathe through it, please don't do it. Like, so I, cause I, I, I'm like, please, because it's like, Mm -hmm. I I honestly want to stop these women in the gym. Sometimes like you see these women even doing like shoulder presses and you can see like their faces are like, oh, and they're holding their breath. And I'm like, should I give you my Mm -hmm. card now or later? Cause this is not (laughs) going to end up well with you in the long run. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's why so many women in the gym wear black. I mean, black is flattering. That's why I wear it in the gym. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I mean. It's also because it doesn't show leaks very well, right? So Mm -hmm. it's kind of sad. Anyway, so one is, yeah, so exhale with exertion. If you can't breathe through it, don't do it. Really watch constipation. Constipation is an epidemic in our society. And like when they're selling massive vats of Restorolax and Laxidae at Costco, like, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. problem. So, but if you're constipated... I call people toilet bowl grabbers, like they're crunched over, Mm -hmm. they're grabbing their toilet, they're holding their breath to try and evacuate a bowel movement. But at the same time, your body isn't like, oh, I just want pressure on my bowels. I don't want pressure on my bladder or uterus. So you're okay with that? So Mm -hmm. that chronic constipation, you're constantly getting that pressure down. And eventually those organs are like, I don't need to keep on telling me to go down there. So I guess I'll stay. And you get like ligament damage by doing that too much. So Mm -hmm. that causes that pelvic organ prolapse. And the other thing I would tell people is I have no problem with sit-ups and crunches. It's a functional movement, but I 
only do have a problem with it if you don't know how to engage this deeper core, like your deeper core being turning on your pelvic floor muscles. Your pelvic floor muscles actually reflexively, you don't even have to think about it, signal your sides of your cocans. It's called your deep transverse abdominus. It's like your built-in girdle. That's what makes you have a flat stomach. I mean, you can do sit-ups till the cows come home. You're still not going to, that's not what makes you have a flat stomach. So, so can we, can you yeah. give people an example? Oops, it, sirens going by. No problem. Um, can, can you give people an example? Um, and you and I have the same uh, perspective on right. this too. Like in terms of breath, like his right. breath is not one dimensional. Right. So when you're saying to people, you have no problem with crunches, but first thing, you know, engage your pelvic floor. Right. Can you, can you tell what, would, so, what does that sound like or feel like to someone who isn't sure right. where theirs is or so what that looks like? You want to feel a contract, which I'll give you a whole bunch of cues to feel to see if people can feel it. But you also want to make sure you're feeling it relaxed because I don't want people to get worse because they'll contract. That's what's out there in the mm-hmm. kind of the world anywhere. It's like Kegel, Kegel, suck it in, suck it in, come on. And that's great. And you can do all that, but please relax because if you relax, mm-hmm. you're, if you don't relax, you're creating a whole bunch of other problems. So usually I'll tell people so inhale to prepare and then exhale during your exhale again you're exhaling your diaphragm is rising and that is the natural part where your pelvic floor rises so I always say inhale to prepare and as you're exhaling can you imagine like these are some pretty visual things but whatever I think everybody can handle it it's almost Mm -hmm. like you're sucking up a silk handkerchief like can you imagine you're like pulling up the middle of a silk handkerchief and all four corners of that handkerchief are coming up and now can you imagine you're putting it back down and you feel all four corners come back down again during an exhale so mm-hmm. can i get so it doesn't yep. matter yeah we're sure we're sure people are going to be fine with this when you inhale and exhale out of which hole oh, oh sorry inhaling what do you mean out of which hole well you said imagine that you're <laughs> sucking it up sucking oh, up so where v- vagina Okay, <laughs> yeah. because I think what's what's yeah. common is people are like, oh, I'm going to squeeze and clench my anal sphincter, right. like my butthole, right? right. So, um, okay, good. So, I'm like, what do you mean in your mouth? You exhale out of your mouth. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, I'm way off here then. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so, so inhale. And as you're exhaling, think. I'm like, I'm just pressing, like, I, I just, I slapped a little, like, Gucci self-handkerchief <laughs> on, nice. on that whole area. I'm like, can you, like, can you suck it up? to like kind yeah. of pull all four corners in or like even a Kleenex and can you like pull up the middle and or you know there's other cues also I probably have 25 because my job really is to figure out how to be- best connect with somebody's brain because mm-hmm. I don't know how your brain is going to best connect with a whole bunch of muscles you have no external visual of that's right. the thing with your pelvic floor I call them your private part muscles so the exercises should look private nobody should see you doing anything from the outside your bum shouldn't be bouncing up and down and your thighs shouldn't be moving in and out it's just kind of you're just mm-hmm. doing everything on the inside and sometimes if all these, we call them accessory muscles. Like if you can see your stomach moving up and down really, or you can, the only thing that is allowed to move is your eyebrows. <laughs> but if you're, nah. but if your bum is clenching and your thighs are moving, sometimes people are just trying too hard. So all these muscles yeah. kind of are trying to come to the party to help out, but they're really not helping. So, and that's, what's so amazing about yoga in, in the practice is like the more you practice, right. um, the more you get, f- become familiar with your body and like the intricacies. And I always talk about moving from the inside out. And so exactly. the more you practice and the more you slow down your breath, which is what I love about you talking about really relaxing on the right. exhale, which is another way no, you can track do inhale. this. You, you re- relax on the inhale, which is really weird, but you exhale and you contract. Oh, maybe. Right. Oh, I thought you were 
Oh, I thought at one point you had said relax when you exhale because oh, you were saying, oh, yeah. right. No, no. Because you were saying exert on the exhale. Right, right, right. 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 Um, sorry, my backwards. So, but it's, um, a lot of people talking, get it backwards. <laughs> it's very yeah, common. And the, the dimension that I was talking about before yeah. is like the breath isn't just in and out through the belly. The, the breath is like, imagine that your whole body is actually expanding so that you, you make space for your organs, exactly. right? Actually, as I'm saying this, my, I'm closing my eyes and my hands are moving out. Right. I'm imagining like chest and the back body moving forward and back side body yes. moving out to the right. sides. Right. And the more people can like, pra- when they practice yoga and you get more comfortable with their breath. So two things can help with this is a, they're becoming more familiar with their breath right. and realizing when they're like holding their breath or not breathing fully or using right. lungs to their capacity, diaphragm to their capacity. And also, um, um, when they're, when they're practicing yoga, they can become yeah more familiar right. with, with, with just their body in general. Exactly. Right. Or, so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. like sometimes I give people a cue, which if you don't have good body awareness or if that exhale, inhale, or if that like exhale and contract is really confusing for people, sometimes I'll tell them, like I'll cue them to imagine their body as a balloon. So as mm-hmm. you inhale, you're the balloon, you're drawing air into the balloon. And I like people to think of, I want you to breathe into your bum cheeks. Like if your bum cheeks had lung tissue in them, which we know it doesn't, but you were almost like mm-hmm. you're breathing deep into your pelvis, like you're inflating your bum cheeks. And because you're a balloon, your bum cheeks are going to start inflating and spreading apart from each other. So that's mm-hmm. on the inhale. And as you exhale, now your balloon is shriveling up and in because it's losing air. So the bottom of your balloon is also like shriveling up. So can you imagine like that's when, can you lift a little tampon as you're exhaling? Can you engage your mm-hmm. pelvic floor? And really, when we talk about core, that's your that's an engaged core. When I say like engage your deep core muscles, if you can like lift your pelvic floor a little bit, 30, 40%, just engage these muscles a little bit as you're exhaling, that's mm-hmm. an engaged core. Now you're ready to take on load. Now you're ready right. to take, take up, like pick up that kid or do a heavier movement. Right. And the other and thing. And that's why yeah. even picking, bending forward to like, yeah, pick, like lifting a weight at the gym or something. Right. Like a lot of people just do that and with whole... like either an arched back or yeah, like not no awareness around right. the core. So then that, then they get injured. Yeah. Right. yeah okay. I, or they'll Good. hold their breath. And the yeah. other thing is, it, especially when it comes to pelvic floor, a lot of people think I was telling you this before, but it was almost like people will often ask me, okay, so I want to go for a run. So I'm going to go for like a 40 minute run. So should my pelvic floor be on that whole time? And it can't to be on that whole time because again, this whole thing has to freely piston up and down with your breath. So if you plan on holding your breath for your 40 minute run, then go for Mm -hmm. it. I guess your pelvic floor won't be moving, but you're Mm -hmm. not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's like your pelvic floor has to freely move. So no, you shouldn't be engaging your pelvic floor through that whole run. In fact, usually when people run, I get them to check in like, are your glutes, are, are you all tight in your glutes? Like, are you holding everything super tight? So mm-hmm. can you relax your glutes as you're running? Can you think about, oh, I'm lifting a handkerchief or I'm putting it down as you're running? Because that whole thing should be freely moving. It can't be like mm-hmm. stuck up or stuck down. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh gosh. So good. Okay. Like, and so, and then even though I kind of know we could talk for like 10 hours, we could probably <laughs> talk for 10 years. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Um, why don't we, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it here yeah. unless there's like anything that like how do you want to wrap this up do you want to is there any like you've given us amazing practical information um tips simplicity no it's um i would just say it's good for somebody like see if you know what see if somebody can just get into that child pose posture so Mm -hmm. and see can because that's a really great place to see if you can relax so see if while you're in that posture can you think okay i'm i'm 
I'm sucking in air through a straw or I'm sucking in like I've got a straw in your vagina and you're sucking up a thick milkshake. Like, can you feel that movement up and in? Because we do know from research, we can't just verbally tell people a lot of times, like a lot of times it's just Mm -hmm. not worth it for a lot of people though. It is for about half of the amount of people, like we can just tell them and they're good. So it's definitely Mm -hmm. worth trying. Like, get into that child's pose. Can you imagine you're sucking up and in? And then can you also now imagine you're releasing the suction and you're letting go? And can you imagine your bum cheeks are sliding apart? I just want people to know, like, it's important to feel the contraction, but it is Mm -hmm. just as important, if not more important in more people to feel the relaxation. So Mm -hmm. the big thing is like, and that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 If they're feeling any of those symptoms we were talking about before, any of those four P's, and if they really are like, I don't even think I know what I'm doing with my pelvic floor, they could go see somebody. It's not, they don't Mm -hmm. need to see somebody three times a week. I mean, I really see my patients. I mean, sometimes I see somebody once or twice. That's it. I mean, they just need a little tweak on what to do and they need Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I will warn people generally when you go see somebody through pelvic floor stuff, it does involve an internal exam, not all the time. And if that totally freaks you out and that's going to make you not want to come, there's other things we can do, but Mm. it definitely usually does. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think, again, most of the people that listen to my podcast anyway Mm. are women between like 40 and 55, like they're whatever, they're done with it. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think when, you, when, again, when you were just talking about the, really the relaxation part, that's why I went backwards when I, yeah. when I talked about inhale and exhale, but, um, but that whole part, and that's why I wanted, that's why I wanted us to at least touch on the yoga aspect mm-hmm. of it, because through the practice, through the meditation practice, through the breathing practice, we learn how to like, yeah, like I said, a get familiar with our breath, with our own natural breathing patterns. Yeah. And we might be like, Ooh, now that I'm paying more attention to my breath, I realize I hold it all the time. Right. right? Like that. So that's why I love the yoga connection. And also, yeah, the more we can move into a posture and, and I'm all about like, I take so long to go from cat to cow. Like I don't go to yoga classes anymore. Cause I, I literally can't, I'm 10 right. minutes behind and I'm like that person who's like annoying. Cause I'm never like moving with the rest of the class and I don't want to do that um, to the teacher, but right like moving nice and slowly allows us to familiarize ourselves with our body. And like, it might sound crazy, but you can say this to us, mm-hmm. at least uh, someone who's been practicing for a while, like really imagine creating space for your organs. And some people at the beginning are like, huh? but the oh, more yeah. you do it and the more you breathe, the more you could, you can really feel that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, absolutely. And I was going to say, even when I am kind of getting somebody to do that, inhale, relax, exhale, engage. Some people, like the vast majority of people are like, oh, wait, I did it backwards again. I did it backwards again. And I said, well, it's just because, you know, the problem is in North America, we are really taught to exhale and relax. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you the exact opposite. Like I always say, if you if you watch tennis and you watch Serena Williams or Venus Williams, they're super loud on the tennis court. I mean, people make fun mm-hmm. of them because they sound like they're having sex on the tennis court. But mm-hmm. somehow they've had an amazing trainer who's taught them if you can exhale and engage at the same time, if you can exhale during that exertion, you can propel that ball way farther. And that's mm-hmm. what makes them probably some of the best tennis players. And then you hear all these other men playing and they're like, huh, uh, huh, and they're holding their breath. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, welcome to the hernia. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But I just love kind of getting people engaged and knowing about their body. And yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And having empowerment cool. with knowledge. If you know what's wrong with you, if you know what's right and wrong, then you can know when to seek help. 
So, yeah. And, and for people who are really disconnected with their body due to, um, a, like not being taught or B it being yeah taboo right. or, um, having trauma, like people who have had trauma to this part of their body subconsciously or consciously are disconnected from that part of their body. And so, um, you know, there's a whole, a whole host of reasons why we're not, maybe not in tune with this. Absolutely. And so, um, for someone now to at least listen to this and be like, Oh, some of the things I've been experiencing, um, not abnormal I now yeah. that I could be paying attention to. And yeah, yeah aren't abnormal. Yeah. Um, so for people here and, and who listen, um, who are BCers, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but <laughs> flying to Calgary to see you, although we'd all like to do that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, people can like, you know, talk to the doctors here. Obviously yeah. the people listening um, from your world uh, know you mm -hmm. in Calgary and have a, a blessed opportunity to yeah. come and see you if they need to. Um, but, and so, yeah, yeah you can always find people. There's like find a physio or you can go to the Canadian Physiotherapy Association. Um, there's mm -hmm. lots of great people in Vancouver. Um, mm -hmm. We've got lots of great people here. I just kind of encourage somebody to find somebody with some experience if they need it. Or, you know, I'm also, people can, kind of get onto my Instagram and direct message me if they have any problems and I'll try and point them in the right way too. Yeah. So, and tell us the last, um, oh, how to find you on Instagram. It's weird. So it's the <laughs> privates with an S. So the privates investigator and it's Alana Devlin. Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, I went to, when I was even Googling you earlier, yeah. not that I have to Google you, but I was <laughs> like, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find that. And then it was like, right. Cause obviously I, I know you as Alana Lazarus. Yeah. And so it's still so crazy to me. I'm like, after all these years, I'm like, I know people get married and change their names, but I'm well, just like, and then I've done a oh. crappy job of that. Cause sometimes I'm Lazarus Devlin. I don't know. I don't even know what I am. I have a probably identity crisis. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and well, uh, this is just so amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to share it. Thank you so much. Um, oh, that's fun. I, yeah, I don't even know how to close or wrap up cause it's too good. Um, <laughs> okay. so we'll, we'll, and I'm glad that we answered those two people's questions yeah. and, and we'll see what, what comes in and, um, how people, how, like the kinds of questions that are going to come after right. this. So I think it's amazing. So exactly. It's awesome. Oh my God. Okay. Thank you. You're so welcome. Okay. I'm happy. Everybody knows they're not crazy. If they're having any of these problems, they're all normal and fixable. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the awesome way to like really remind people like there's hope. It's not like a oh, thing that God, if this is happening, yeah. like, there's no, yeah. Amazing. Well, and that's, I think I was telling you, it's funny because it's like you stop having periods and menstruating and then the next section in the mall, the next section at the, on the shelf is like the incontinence pads. And I guess that's just the way what happens when mm -hmm. you age, but it's really not. It's just that yeah. we have to know that, you know, there's been lots of research and lots of evidence to show that there's huge benefits. There's tons of options for women. So, yeah. Yeah. And I write that in my book too. At some point, I'm like, people say when you turn 40, your body's going to fall apart. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, like, it better uh, that not doesn't fall have apart. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have this, I have that. I have a couple things that I didn't have five, 10 years ago, but they're, but that's fine. Yeah. It's like, that's natural, but there's no reason why your body just has to start like going downhill. Right. And that's you know? why, honestly, and, uh, I encourage people to even get, have, like, get some help if you're having a little bit of these problems before you hit menopause because menopause mm -hmm. when you head head into estrogen deficiency like you lose a lot of that connective tissue integrity so things sometimes mm -hmm. kind of go downhill a little but still even if somebody's in menopause you haven't expired until you expire like mm -hmm. you you, yeah. you don't have an expiry date like I help tons of women in menopause like it's not that's not done so yeah it's never too late cool even if you're peeing when you're sneezing it's never too late oh god um, that's easy that's like yeah, the easiest. Thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So there are gonna be so many women who just take a take a nice big deep side breath right. right now. They're like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> that's my. Okay. Okay. I know it's impossible to hang up. Okay. So I love you. Thank you, Aww, and um, all the you. women listening. Uh, thank you too. So yeah, anytime. Love it.
Okay. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to visit DanaMahone.com to learn more ways to be your healthiest, most amazing self yet. And to order a copy of my book, Release Your Inner Wild, The Modern Day Women's Guide to Reconnecting with Your True Self, Honoring Your Health, Passion, and Power. Ciao for now. Thank you.